0: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and A member FDSE. Hello, welcome to An Hour of Just Screaming. With me, Stephen Chicken, and down the line, joining me is David Hartrick. How are you doing, Dave?
1: <laughs> uh, I'm I'm fine, but it's not going to be all sunshine and lollipops. This podcast, is it? No, it's not. I think one result worse than the
0: other, or rather, one performance worse than the other. And weirdly, it's the draw that we're more upset with. Um, mm. We'll start with that one. Huddersfield Town nil, Rotherham United nil. Flippin' heck, that was lucky, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, <sighs> I mean that second half performance was was really bad from Town and. I didn't think it was a great performance from the bench either. They didn't change it enough. They didn't try enough. And it was, it was grim. I mean, Town got away with what? There was... Two clear chances that rather missed that they should have scored. There was the penalty that I, I I think it was more a penalty than not. Although I'm not convinced, you know, 100% convinced it was a penalty. There was the disallowed goal that I'm still not exactly sure what it was disallowed for. Um, no, I don't know If anyone can enlighten me on that, and Town were just. They were like Rabbits caught in the headlights for periods of that game against Rotherham. You know, they weren't playing Bournemouth, that comes later. They were playing Rotherham. It was it was disappointing to say the least. Yeah, I mean it, it was
0: really, really poor. I think town have not been That bad on their own turf, generally speaking, this season. Um, I know they were coming off the back of the the 7-0 against Norwich, but um, to be outclassed at home by the team in 22nd, you know, if Rotherham had turned up and given town a game and made things difficult and, you know, dug in and, you know, been solid and, you know, it was an end-to-end game, you can sort of understand that because Rotherham are, are down there and they're fighting for their lives and, you know, they've got so many games, so many cup finals to play, they really have to get something out of every game they play but um to be you know by far the second best team on the pitch against that level of opposition is a a massive concern
1: it is and I I think that they're they're in a moment at the moment town the the 7-0 I think they very much took that into that rotherham game and i think i think we said on the pod that you can go two ways after a defeat like they had at norwich whereas you get a sort of rip roaring reaction and everybody wants to go for it or mentally you realize there's some sort of scarring and it was definitely a game that town just uh, they couldn't it was like they couldn't get into their stride it was it was really frustrating and First half, I think they they sort of they made a fist of it at least. But Rotherham were were doing fine. But it was that second forty-five minutes. I thought Town were really really poor, as poor as I've seen them this season. And like I said, I think you have to you you can blame the players and you can blame the squad and all that for for only for so long before you have to look at the manager and you have to look at the bench and say, well. Why, why weren't they sort of actively really trying to change it? Why weren't they changing the shape? Why weren't they changing the angle and I know i was I was interested after the game to to read what Corburn said to you um in the press conference and I know i mean I'm like you, I was glad he was quite spiky with you and quite prickly with you because it shows that he's not lost the fight you know he's not he's nowhere near giving up or anything like that but at the same time yeah, i know his reasoning was he just he was worried about basically leaving gaps and and destabilizing what he had on the pitch but you had to change the shape there because Rotherham at one point were just literally just doing what Spurs did to David Wagner's team and <laughs> you know just like being brave enough to put a man behind one of the fullbacks and like town couldn't couldn't cope with it it was yeah, I was I was really really disappointed with that with that forty five minutes. I really was, and I think it was um, it was a really worrying indicator for me. Um, I just I still don't think town will go down. I still we will get into the next game and Rotherham's result and everything else. I still don't think town will go down, but it. Yeah. We're nearly at the end of the season here, Steve, and to finish on any sort of high is looking nigh on impossible, isn't it? Well, they'd have to win literally every game (laughs) Mm. from
0: now to the end of the season for us to feel like, oh, that was a good end to the season at this point. And we said that after the Norwich game that you know that the idea of town finishing on a high now is is laughable it's just it's beyond them now i think even if they even if they were to finish with sort of three wins or four wins then you'd be going oh, they shouldn't have been that close though and mm. yeah I, I i'm inclined to agree i i thought i mean i got a, a quite an angry email from someone saying my player ratings were a disgrace um for, for the the Rotherham game it was mostly fives with a few fours and a couple of sixes but I didn't think it was any one player was like outright dreadful. No. You know there's there's been there's been games where every player has been dreadful and there's been other games where everyone's been a five and you've had a couple of players who have been, you know, a three and it's it's all collapsed. I didn't think it was that against Rotherham. I just thought everyone was a bit off and as we've said before when everyone is a 5 the team as a whole is a 2 or a 3 um, mm. you know you, you do need to have some players you know a 5 for me is, is just about doing your job and no more than that and when everyone is doing that and no one is coming up with anything special any kind of threat any kind of quality any kind of anything you know it's going to be a bad performance um, and I thought it was one of the worst this season how they got out of that with a point is is kind of beyond me to be honest because the only teams that have come to the John Smiths and, and done that have been um, maybe Norwich on, on the first day um, Watford and Ryan Schofield's heroics meant they they got a two nil win regardless. Um, and then that's probably about it. You know, even the Bournemouth game, which we'll get onto, I thought they were just sort of they didn't have to get out of second gear and they were just quite clinical. Bournemouth, um, um, and you shouldn't you shouldn't be getting outplayed by the team in 22nd. You know, you,
1: you just shouldn't. No, and. I, it's it's this isn't I think we're always very measured and pretty analytical on this pod and that's that's something we actually strive for so this isn't like some wild emotional reaction to it but They, it it was just it wasn't good enough. That was the phrase that kept coming to me in the second half. Was this isn't good enough? Because, however, when we do these podcasts, the main complaint whenever we sort of criticise Corbyn or or anything else down there is always, oh, it's the squad, it's the squad, it's the squad. That's all anybody tells me is that they don't have the right players, they don't have good enough players, they don't have enough players. Well, I'm sorry, but they still have more than enough to beat Rotherham at home and the problem is that performance feels like a culmination of a lot of things and sort of coming to her head and I don't think it is just a squad I think there is is something there at the moment that they need to get a grip of fairly quickly because mentally at the end of that game the town players look shocked. you know I was watching them mm. come off and they looked shell-shocked and not in the way that they did against Norwich where you can come off and go well you know we've just been absolutely battered but it was Norwich They're basically a Premier League team they look completely shell-shocked because they had just been sort of run ragged for the second half there against Rotherham and they, they've they got to arrest that really really quickly as I said I don't think they're going to go down but it, it's very very easy to carry that into the summer particularly as we think they're more than likely going to stick with Carlos Corbran for various reasons they've they've got to mentally start to shift that access a bit I thought they looked jaded the players throughout the game um they just
0: looked physically exhausted they looked mentally exhausted i, th- I think there's no sort of better illustration of that than you look at when saw thomas and scott high come on and it's like oh yeah that's what an energetic player looks like they yeah. should all they should all look like that um, and i know that that's talking about two young players desperate to impress who haven't played much football so of course they're fresh like you expect the you expect the legs to be a bit stale um, for pretty much every team at this stage of the season, to be honest. You know, it's been such a, a compressed, hard season for, for everyone. Um, and I'm sure there's a few players carrying, you know, knocks, bumps, bruises that we're not even aware of because they're just sort of regular part of being a footballer playing this regularly. Um, but... Yeah, they, they, the thing is, is that previously they've been able to get through that with the adrenaline. They've, they've found a way to carry themselves through the game and lift themselves out of those moments. There was no moment against Rotherham where it was like, oh, here they go. They're going to get going here. <laughs> they they were just, they were so sort of slow and ponderous and and just exhausted the whole way through.
1: Mm, no one personified that more really than Pippa who was he didn't look fit to me from the first minute. Um, yeah.
0: I mean he's he's not fit to be fair he's he's carrying a groin strain he's having to play through the pain but yeah I mean I, di- I didn't think he he especially stood out you know he was obviously struggling after half time but I thought in the first half he didn't
1: particularly stru- stand out for his lack of mobility. <laughs> I just I I think with that Rotherham game I think that you you look at it and you think well where, where does where did that performance come from and as you look back you can see as I said I just think there are so many things that have gone into into that second half and I I don't know if that is a season low or not because I still think the 90 minutes they put in against Preston for me was was the worst because they just didn't offer anything. But the game against Rotherham was just—it was really difficult to watch them being outplayed second half for long spells. For long spells, I mean, there was that move at the end where he missed the chance from about six yards out. Steve, where they just—they literally just cut holes in them, didn't they? There was two men at the back post, and that's where you go, oh, hang on, that's <laughs> that's yeah. really really worrying when you see a, a tight aside apart to that extent that's where you go oh yeah, and the, yeah the
0: ben wild sitter in the 89th minute yeah yeah was uh yeah real real let off they'd already had as you've mentioned three or four let offs before that and then that was the biggest one of them all
1: yeah i i mean <laughs> and the thing is, the worst thing is, if that goal had gone in, I don't think anybody could have made a reasonable argument that it wouldn't have been deserved. Yeah, what 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 do you think they should have changed in that game? What what do you think? I think they needed. I think they needed to change the shape. I think the problem was that Rotherham were so comfortable on the ball against them. Um, Town's press wasn't working at all. Um, and I think sometimes you, it's that. I hate to repeat a phrase I've used loads of times before but sometimes you've just got to ask a different question you know you've you've got to just by shifting one side of the pitch etc or just by trying to change the angle of, the, of your attack you can completely knock the other side out of their rhythm and I felt that's what town needed to do because that the first half it felt like Rotherham did okay and because they did okay they came out in the second half with quite a lot of belief and at no point did it feel like any any sort of town player or system managed to just knock them out of their stride or town managed to force them back a bit they they really were very very comfortable and I think I'd have been, if I'm brutally honest, I'd have been tempted to really try and push push them back. So bring the press up a bit. And I don't know, I the 352 is a funny system because it's very, very effective at certain things. But if you get a team who can play around it and are prepared to put somebody behind the wing back etc then it can be bypassed quite easily and I think that, I don't know I just, I wouldn't have just carried on doing what they were doing, put it that way and make like for like subs. I think it was a half where you needed to do something a bit more drastic. What would you have done? Yeah, I mean,
0: I, well I ask Brown afterwards for starters, since you touched on that, what whether he could have made bigger changes, and he sort of said, "Well, would you have done that?" It's like, well, yeah. I think I would have done. Um, but he said, "I didn't want to sacrifice a centre back because you know we've got you know that we're playing against a long ball team. We didn't want to lose a midfielder because." Um we didn't want to lose building our play and and we didn't want to you know, um and he felt that putting on and Benza and Thomas for Pipper and Holmes, so wingers for wing backs was sort of was a bit of a, a show of ambition. Um and I, I can see that view, but at the same time it's it's Rotherham. You're making changes or rather not making changes because you're worried about what, what Rotherham are gonna do to you and they were doing it anyway. <laughs> yeah, that—that's the thing. It's—it's it's not like it's not like town were putting on you know a decent showing, and it was just the sheer. Rotherham were absolutely on one, and it was just the sheer pressure meant that they were. Th- there were ways that town could have got out of that. I thought you know trying to trying to, a system where they could have kept on the ball because they had the, the possession Town's possession was 58% but their pass success was only 70 which is yeah. pretty low against you know they just didn't have control on the game is is the thing and they needed to take control and take the sting out of it and slow things down and sort of take the wind out of Rotherham Stales for a bit so i think i moved to a 433 or a 4231 mm. that prioritized ball retention you know takes an ogo off because i think and Carlos Gorbran, he said that he wanted to keep going for defending the set pieces. Fair enough. But... Um, I felt that they were just sort of they were using Sonogo as an out because he was there rather than because he was the right option, mm. um, and I think that became a bit of a, a a theme against Bournemouth as well. They were playing in the first half as though Sonogo was on the pitch when he wasn't, and I yeah. think they've and a, not to skip ahead, but I thought they looked a lot better against Bournemouth when they moved to the something more like the four three three they started the season with. And they mm-hmm. finished the game playing, even with personnel that clearly are not as talented as the, the ones they had in the first half of the season. They were playing the style they they had at the start of the year and they su- suddenly looked so much more comfortable playing that way. We'll, we'll, we'll get on to Bournemouth in a minute. We'll talk about you know the fact that Bournemouth had were already 2-0 up, they'd taken the foot off the gas, etc. at that point. But I just think they, they just didn't look comfortable. And I thought that the discomfort no. in how they were playing was palpable and they needed to do... Something to just get the players feeling a bit more like themselves.
1: The the thing is, the Rotherham bench spotted the space behind the fullbacks, and when Town bought on wingers for wingbacks, that wasn't reacting to that. That was leaving even more space effectively, and I don't think they ever did anything about that. And that's where you look at it and you worry because you think, well, if that had been a good side, for instance, a Norwich. <laughs> It would yeah. have been it would have been very very messy again. There's absolutely no denying that it and would have been another big defeat. So in a way, it was extremely fortunate that that performance came against Rotherham and they did manage to get a draw out of it.
0: Yeah, I mean, what what Town did last year to respond to situations like that was they would have a back four that played quite narrow, and they would have mm. the wingers, um, so Carl and Grant and Elias Kachunga coming back and basically being extra fullbacks. Um, yeah. So you have had effectively, a line of six in defence. Um, they did that against West Brom, for instance. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there, there were options there to try and plug that gap, and it just would have meant that your centre backs weren't getting pulled hither and thither, and you, you might have lost a bit of height on the long ball. But. <laughs> Yeah,
1: But you're if, you're if you're wanting to play a game with a higher ball retention, you don't want to be looking for the long ball anyway. No, exactly. So, yeah, it was a worry. But I think we should probably move on to Bournemouth after doing 20 minutes on <laughs> Rotherham. Yeah. Uh,
0: so, I didn't think this game was dreadful from town. I thought the first half was poor and the second half was, was better. Um, and, to be honest, I got a few... Uh, tweets and emails after the game saying you know that was a disgrace cobra needs to go etc etc um and i just thought well what were you expecting from this game <laughs> to be mm-hmm. honest i it felt like a delayed response from from Saturday those those messages that I got to be honest I thought they gave the goals away much too easily I mean Bournemouth didn't have to break a sweat did they um in the first no. half and they, they were too poor goals
1: to concede they were I I said on the I actually did the town full-time show last night um with Callum Woods and I said that this game there was a lot of things in this game that felt like the season in microcosm in that Town played well for a spell, having given the, the other side a massive head start, and then the lack of cutting edge killed them in the end. And I think the problem was with the first half is that it, it was. <laughs> Bournemouth never got anything like top gear. I mean, they weren't I wouldn't be I wouldn't suggest they'd sort of never got out of first gear because they did up it at times. But like Pearson and Lerma were were playing with a top hat on at one point, you know, because they just weren't being pressed, they weren't being pushed. There was there was one point where Pearson got the ball and he had time to turn, take a touch, take another touch to knock it out his feet, and then just play a fairly simple twenty yard pass. And you think he was doing that just just uh, in front of the centre circle and you're thinking, where's the press? (laughs) Somebody get on them. Now, I understand the reluctance to press because it's Bournemouth and they have so much quality on the ball, but... There was a real. The reason Bournemouth were able to sort of play the way they did was because there was a real fear from town, which is completely understandable, having been beaten out of sight by Norwich and then put in that performance against Rotherham. And there was a real. They it was like town played with a load of hang-ups first half and just conceded two, two really bad goals. Really, um, but it shouldn't. The two goals they conceded both came directly from errors but Bournemouth were well on top you know, nobody could argue that 2-0 wasn't a fair reflection on on balance really. No, I don't think so. The
0: the first one it was you know, they won the ball in the centre circle Billing plays it forward, no one picks up Billing's run into the box. Schofield makes a... a, I I thought his positioning wasn't great to be honest I think if he positions himself better for the shot then he could hold on to that rather than parrying it out but then if he positions himself for the shot then it's a tap in if you cut it across the box so I can understand that um, I thought Edmunds Green wasn't fantastic, he didn't close down, um, didn't, didn't get sort of touched tight to the man which is, has been a bit of an issue of his all season unfortunately um, but um, I <sighs> Yeah, I mean, no one follows Billing in. I mean, Hogg and Keo both have the opportunity to pick up Billing's run. Um, and neither of them do it because they both just run to the ball when mm-hmm. Edmund Screen is already out there. And I know Edmund Screen didn't do fantastically with it, but one or the other can go and help him. They don't didn't both need to go. And it means that Billing's just got a free header. Thank you very much. Puts it in the net. Um, and then the second one, Edmund Screen gives it away uh, in his own half. I think he's expecting Hog to 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 move forward, to to run forward and run onto the ball, and he he's actually stopped and stood still. Um, just one of those things, but it's it's a poor pass either way, and uh, it's straight to 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 Pearson, and he just taps it forward to to Solanke, and you know he's between the lines. He doesn't need much invitation to shoot, and he's a good finisher. We know we saw we saw that in the reverse fixture, and if you give him those opportunities then he's going to put them away. Um I thought the second goal was especially unfortunate because town really scrambled for a bit in response to going 1-0 behind. Mm. They they looked lost at sea for a sort of 5 minutes or so and they really needed to get a handle on the game, but I felt like they had started to get a bit of a grip. They'd had a couple of nice spells of possession um, and had started to sort of Ease their way back into the game when suddenly they give the ball away and find themselves two 0 down. It could have been a very different game if they had, you know, if, if they hadn't done that so close to the break, or if Lewis O'Brien's shot shortly after the break had gone in. Um, because I thought the second half response was was at least something to hold on to.
1: Yeah, it was, and the the second half was. You're right to point out there were the signs there in the first half. They were using Rowe as the out ball and. He had two decent opportunities and did pretty well with both, to be honest. Um, and then second half, like you say, Lewis hits that shot that manages to hit the underside of the bar and still go out for a goal kick, which is fairly fairly interesting in terms of physics. Um, but yeah, it was uh, it was it was a better response, I think. I think things they. Town were struggling. There were a few players who were who were off it last night. We we're, we're bigger fans of him on this podcast than some are, let's say. But for H Campbell had one last night. He was yeah, really he struggling to. It wasn't just about being marked or being up against two very very good defenders in Carter Vickers and Cook. It, he like nothing was sticking to him. You know, the, he couldn't. He was really struggling to control the ball or pass the ball or do anything really. And I think second half when Town, particularly when they bought Thomas um, on, so you had Aaron's one side and Thomas the other, and they were actually pushing the full backs, and they're actually attacking in a different way. They looked a lot better, but again, it's that, it's that lack of sort of a, a cutting edge or anything clinical. But you did see the sort of early signs of a Thomas down one side, an Aarons down the other, or a Caroma, who, remember, has got a comeback, and a Ward in the middle, you did see the early signs of a front three that would be a lot quicker, (laughs) for one thing, um, but would also, you know, against weaker defences than that, I think would cause them a lot more problems. I think they have to... Aarons I thought did okay but by the end of the game quite understandably he was he was blowing a bit but you know he's missed a lot of football so it's going to take him a couple of games but I think you've got to start with Thomas now because you could just see the way he played and his enthusiasm and his willingness to take someone on that that is something that Town have been sorely missing out wide you know there's, there's only other than him there's only Lewis O'Brien who willingly takes a man on in that side realistically so so yeah, I, I think you have to start with Thomas. I think you have to bring Aaron's on at some point in the next game. So you've got those two proper attacking wide forwards, and you've got to you've got to go for it because we can make all the caveats in the world here, Steve. That Bournemouth did, did take their foot off the gas because they were two 0 up, etc. And Bournemouth did have chances on the break that they missed. They were they were not really not particularly clinical second half. Let's be honest. But you have to look for some positives. And there were some positives from that second half, even if they do come with caveats.
0: Yeah. I mean, I've got a list here of players that created shots. So had passes that the key passes, basically. So passes that led to shooting opportunities. Jonathan Hogg had two. Lusa Brown had one. Aaron Rowe had one. Uh, Dwayne Holmes had one, plus the assist from the corner. And then it's Rolando Aaron, Scott High and Sorba Thomas. And that's your lot. So three of them are players who came on in the second half. Um, one of them is Aaron Rowe who had was starting his first game in six I think it was Um, and you know the others are players that you know Dwayne Holmes was taking corners at the end of the game and uh, you'd expect it from Lewis to be fair Um, so I think that sort of tells you something (laughs) they they I feel I agree with you. I think sort of the team that finished the second half, and someone else said this on my Twitter as well. The team that finished the second half, to me, should start the next game.
1: Mm, yeah, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be against that at all because. I think I think there's the three players there that came on and created those chances. And Roe, who I thought was, was a fairly bright spark through the game. That's no coincidence. And it's because they... This team's won two out of the last 19. And yeah. you need... It's the players who are not... <laughs> are not carrying that sort of mental PTSD in there and are playing without fear and with less caution that come on and make a huge difference. And I'm with you. I I think that that team... I don't know if it can start because I'm not sure if Aarons is realistically fit enough to start, mm. but it should be something like... I just think Town look far more comfortable with... Well, Basically, if you if you get Campbell up top, Campbell does a specific job really really well. I would argue. Now, a lot of people don't like that job, and that's because it's. <laughs> It sounds like Damien with faint praise but he basically plays as a striker whose main remit is not to score and that's a weird Mm. thing to get your head around for some people and I completely understand that. But I think Town look far more comfortable when they've got a pressing three who work as a unit and are basically just sort of trying to hunt in a pack and trying to attack in a different way. And I think Danny Ward, I know he's been heavily criticized by lots of people. I think Danny Ward needs a run of games now. I think it's I think it's time. If you want to play a two, play him with Sonogo. Let's let's see Ward running off Sonogo. Mm. You know, I, I... Again, it's that same phrase. You, you've you got to find ways to ask different questions and Town of Light like becoming very, very predictable both before the game and then in-game. And it's making, you know, decent managers, it's making it really easy for them. I don't even think Jonathan Woodgate is a decent manager. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean... It's weird. I mean, you you have you gave me this theory, which I wrote up into five conclusions. Um, it's weird that they are so predictable when they're trying to do things that are so complicated.
1: Yeah, um, but I I think it's it's partly it's the classic thing we've spoke about it before. It's where overly complication ends up looking like. Uh, sort of a lack of effort or oversimplification there are a lot of players being asked to do lots and lots of things so you've got Lewis O'Brien who is asked to be a left back but then to also come inside and play as a false 10 and at times out of possession drop into midfield that's quite a lot on his plate and what that also equates to is then you've got a back three a a back four effectively that know they have to play as a three so as soon as lewis goes they've got to think right i've got to shuffle across hoggy's got to watch the run and immediately drop back 10 yards because he has to make it up to be a four if they lose possession edmund green immediately has to come inside and he's playing basically half a right back half a central defender so there's a lot of roles in in that team that's just looking at the defence where you've got players who are constantly having to think about three four different things and doing different things in different game situations and I just think one of the things that would benefit them an awful lot is just simplify it just, just genuinely just simplify it put Put as many square pegs in square holes as you possibly can. I know there's a couple of areas of the pitch where they've got to make do at the moment and just keep it really, really simple. You know, this is your role. This is what you're doing. And I think that's what I'm on about with the front three. Just play a front three or a front two and just task them with one thing or just task your wing backs with one thing. And I think it would go a long way because there's a lot of second guessing and there's a lot of mental fatigue in that team, I think. And as I said, just just simplifying it almost just slowing it down you summed it up steve before when we were talking about off air they they should have like in that rotherham game they should have just switched to any sort of system that focused on ball retention and if you do that and just keep it simple and keep hold of the ball then opportunities will come and i i just i just feel at the moment mentally there's there are players on that pitch who are just struggling to do everything that is being asked of them and it's not necessarily that they're bad players and the squad's terrible and all this as people on social media keep telling me because i i don't think it is as bad as they're saying i think as i said you should be better than a, this but anyway. yeah it should it should be better than this i just think you've got players as i said who who are just need things to just be a bit simpler and a bit calmer and uh I in is a player for me who started the season really really well but he's been tasked with a <laughs> essentially sort of covering a flank on himself and having to do different things in and out of possession and again I just don't think that's game, his game if if you play a four-three-three and you have Karoma one side and Mbenza the other and they're essentially their sole focus is on attack they've been much much better this yeah. season you, you know we know how good Karoma was before the injury and I think that's what you've got to return to with Thomas and Arons and potentially Danny Ward in the middle just keep it simple you're a front three so be a a front three, and I just think that'd go a long way. It just, I'm not, I think we should have a, a, a separate chat about Corbra and maybe all of after this. But I just think that that simplification, in, instead of trying to do trying to be a sort of jack of all trades, would instantly help several members of that squad
0: yeah well in attack they had Fraser Campbell as the false nine and you had Bakuna and Holmes try to sort of overlap and run beyond him and almost become a front two um that seemed to be the plan first half and you mentioned Campbell nothing was sticking to him all of his passes were going astray and I noticed that as well and there's another one where uh, another moment where Dwayne Holmes got on the ball in a, a decent position sort of uh, out towards yeah. the left yeah and he just sort of uh was it a back heel or some kind of flick to to absolutely nobody, and it's like and when you see things like that sometimes that is just players making a mess of things like there's there's no two mm. ways about that but sometimes a lot of the time that is players who are expecting a, a, a teammate to make a run that they haven't made and they end up looking daft and the yeah. fact that the fact that town did that so many times in the first half and they did it a lot against Rotherham as well sort of tells me that nothing is instinctive for them at the moment just yeah. no one it's it's one thing it, It's one thing sort of having complicated instructions for players. And I thought, actually, I rolled my eyes when I saw Lewis O'Brien was playing at left-back. I actually didn't hate the way that he he played because he had that licence to get into number 10 and players that false 10. We've seen Pippa do that from the right side before this season. I actually didn't mind that. But I think when you've got... Several players playing with those kinds of complicated instructions, even if they know what they're doing and they're clear what their role is, their teammates don't know <laughs> because no. they've not they've not done it before. And you're tell- so
1: focused on your own game, aren't you? That's the yeah. thing. You're, you're so because you, it's like right, okay, we're out of possession, so my role changes, and I've got to drop deeper. Right, we're in possession, I've got to move into this position, I've got to come on, and I've got to be half of this and half the other. There was another one with Holmes where there was a great ball into him as he was running forward and he dummied it and there was absolutely no one behind him it just went straight yeah. to the defender and that was the exact same thing it's it's there's just a sort of there's an i don't know it, it's like all the links in the chain aren't there everybody knows what they should be doing but nobody knows what they should be doing collectively yeah and like you say that's where i just think just simplify it right down just simplify it right, right. down and like town have got some winnable games before the end of the season and you just worry if that overthinking is it, it feels like this is this is a bizarre comparison on a few levels, but it feels very Pep Guardiola in the Champions League sometimes of yeah. just that sort of overthinking and suddenly deciding that a player should have a different role and all that sort of thing it's like no just just get your best 11 out that you can in the best shape you can with a simple job to do and i just think that would help enormously at the minute well this
0: is it that the first half of the season and the whole point they hired Klopp run was to have this this unified style of play that everyone that didn't change too much even if you changed you made little tweaks there things didn't change too much and it was the right move to move away from that when, you know, it was clear it wasn't working second half of the season. And we praised, you know, Corbran and, and Town for, for doing that, taking that step and simplifying things and taking things back to basics a bit. I feel like the last three games, um, possibly even the last five games, they they're sort of somewhere in between where they're trying to do clever things tactically um but they're different things tactically to what they were doing in the first half of the season so you've got neither thing they're they're both trying to keep it simple but also trying to be complicated (laughs) and and i as i say i don't think it's a coincidence that their best spell against bournemouth and yes I accept that, that Bournemouth took their, you know, were 2-0 up, they were coasting, they took the foot off the gas, but the only time that town made them break a sweat and made them worry um, was when they switched to the 4-3-3 they played in the first half of the season, and you had wingers playing as wingers, you had Aaron Rowe as a full-back where he's, you know, tra- he's most of his training over the past couple of years has been playing at right-back, you had central midfielders in central midfield, Um I think you know O'Brien was pretty much the only exception coming from from left back at that point and suddenly people knew what they were doing and people knew what their roles on the pitch were and it, I, even if you've got I don't know, it just they've got this youth policy, but I feel like there's certain young players who I mean, we talked about Jaden Brown to death. You know, he came on and got eight minutes or whatever it was towards the end of the game. Could they not have got him on earlier and moved Lewis O'Brien into midfield? You know, because Bakuna was having a stinker. And I don't think it it says a lot I don't think it's a huge vote of confidence in some of their backup players that Corbrand would rather change his system in a million ways to try and get his players that he trusts into the side rather than pick a young winger to play on the wing. And yeah. and the mad thing is, is that that approach and picking those experienced players and bending over backwards to try and get certain players into the team isn't working anyway.
1: <laughs> mm. And that... To go back to the original point, the problem is that when you have that sort of confusion and that that trying to do a million jobs on the pitch, what it ends up looking like is they're not doing one. (laughs) It does end up looking like a lack of effort because people aren't where players expect them to be and players look like they don't know what to do when they're on the ball and I don't think I genuinely don't think there is a lack of effort. I saw that leveled at a lot of people last night on on yeah. Twitter, and I think I, I sat down and thought about it, and we had a conversation about it last yeah, right. night. I messaged you
0: saying that. people are saying there was no effort. Am I mad? Yeah. I didn't think that's the case at all.
1: It's it's not. I but I think the other side of that is we have to be very very aware of the optic that TV gives you, which is you don't see the you don't see the whole pitch you don't see the whole picture in a figurative sense or a literal sense and i get how that can come across on tv and it's that <laughs> Without fans in the ground, it's it's difficult. We have a very different viewpoint on it, and I just the the problem I have with town is that all season they've never been a million miles away, barring the Norwich game when they were you know absolutely beaten out of sight. They've never, as you pointed out. They've only lost by a single goal at home all season that so they've yet to be beaten two or three nil at home mm. but the problem is that same thing of everything just being five percent away so that when you everything is five percent away it it's it looks far far worse than it is and I just I just—it's cumulative, isn't it? it Yeah, it all multiplies out, and it just—as I said—what you wanted, what Town's mission really needed to be a month or so ago is to change the shape of the end of the season so that they were going into the summer on a real high. And the problem is all these problems are so evident. The injuries, the injury players coming back is is going to help a bit, I think. It was great to see Carol lighting in the stands with us yesterday and walking yeah. around normally. Um, and Karoma's gonna is getting somewhere near... But even with those players coming back, they're not going to now have the games to really get their eye in <laughs> and no. get back to form. Corbrand so said,
0: said with those two they're going to try and get them a B-team game in the the mm. coming days, basically, and, and get the minutes for the B-team. Um, and
1: So I think, again, I come back to the same thing. So with that in mind... Just keep it really, really simple. You know, don't, don't when you do bring them onto the pitch and when you can get them on there, don't tell them that they need to do X, Y and Z. Just concentrate on doing ABC, you know. I, I I really do think, it's not a cure-all for everything there, but I really do think it would go away to helping right now.
0: Yeah, and it's this is it. This isn't an, an, a back-to-basics, keep it simple. It's go back to the complicated things you were doing in the first half of the season yeah. that
1: the players are trained in yeah and they it is as simple isn't it as playing wingers as wingers and you know having a press that starts in a very specific area and yeah just it, it's not when you say keep it simple it's not Mike Bassett 4-4 four, four, a word I can't say two or anything like that That's yeah. not what we're saying it is just go back to the things you were doing before that worked without all the other complications um but yeah, we'll, we'll see. It's it's a big few weeks coming up, I'd say. It's going to set the tone for what happens over the summer, I think. Well, I mean, that's sort of the best case at this point, because
0: obviously Rotherham got that, that 3-1 win against QPR, which um, if you bought the print copy of the paper, you'll, get, you'll see the, oh well, never mind, first draft that I put out, because we had a, an 8.30 print deadline, which was before the... Uh, before the Rotherham result came in, and then just as I was about to hit publish for the online version, I saw the Rotherham score and did another rewrite. Um, so, three that was the third draft you got online because that, that result does change everything, I think. You know, in terms of the pressure it puts on, I think we could have just almost shrugged it off as, as you say, shrugged that off as, oh, well, what did you expect? If it weren't for that Rotherham win, which suddenly you're looking at that table and you're thinking, wow, town could be in the relegation zone by the end of the weekend. You know, if if Rotherham, um, what's that, if they... If they win two of their next three and Coventry win one of their next two, bear in mind Rotherham and Coventry play each other on Thursday evening, then and Derby get a, get at least a point, then Town could be in the relegation zone. There's a lot of ifs and buts there, which I think is why you are still fairly confident that Town will be safe this year, Dave. Yeah. But but it's also, you know, it's a round of fixtures, or, you know, a round of fixtures and a game in hand away from town being in the bottom three, and that is not a nice feeling and will have fans
1: worried yeah and I completely understand that and look there is a world where town could be in trouble you know I'm, I'm not saying that there is is absolutely no chance whatsoever um, but it, at the same time you've got Derby and Coventry there who are uh, who are similarly struggling Coventry are it's a shame because I quite like Coventry but the simple fact is they've they it is looking more and more like they've got a league one squad um uh, one way or another um so i i do think it's it's not quite as simple as rather and win and town will get dragged in but i just i feel like at the moment the problem is town are carrying a lot of mental weight and even though i still think it's a relatively slim chance it feels like a huge chance in a lot of people's minds because They've won two in 19, Steve. Yeah, and you can't see where just... the next win's coming from, can you? And that's, it's just not good enough. And you look at those two wins, and the worst thing about those two wins is they both in different ways, felt like massive surprises. Mm-hmm. At the moment, it doesn't feel like Town going into games and can expect anything other than a draw at best. And that's not, not a great place to be. But I think it's also important to sort of say the a couple of the games, certainly before the end of the season, should be winnable. If Town gets to the end of the season and they haven't won another game, well, they, they deserve to be in what position they'll be in the table, to be frank. Absolutely.
0: I think that's what fans are worried about, unfortunately, mm. is that they are going to deserve it. Um, but, I mean, I think, I know, yes, I'm, I'm well aware their away form is dreadful and has been, even when things were good. But I feel like Forest at the weekend is a winnable game because they don't have much to play for. I think Blackburn away is a winnable game because they are yes. in... Dreadful form at the moment. They are, yep. I mean, that that we we sort of a sister site with Lanks Live, and their fans are uh, in full Mowbray out mode at the moment. I can assure you because they have dropped like a stone. Second, you know, that's that second half of the season has almost been as bad as Towns, um, and Reading away could be winnable if. It's looking like a playoff spot is going to be beyond them at this point, and they had that brilliant start to the season. You wonder if they're going to run out of gas. I mm. and then the home games are Barnsley, who are flying they've been fantastic. They've been the story of the season this year, as far as I'm concerned in the championship you know, if you're looking for a good news story. It's, it's Barnsley. And I know that some people won't like <coughs> that because they are a, a Yorkshire rival and so on. But I think you can get at Barnsley. They, they are sort yeah. of the, they're the reverse of town that they've won a lot of games, but they've not won a lot, you know, two, three nil. They've had a lot of single goal wins. Um, and... the thing
1: about Barnsley is that they are risk takers. They they that's the way they play football. They play intelligently but they take huge risks. So when they get they can get picked off basically. They can get picked off and what it what it takes is uh just a little bit of bravery to beat Barnsley and that that's the problem with that game is you feel like town just haven't got the bravery at the minute
0: the thing I've heard about Barnsley and this might have come from not the top 20 I can't remember was that bar it might have just come off Twitter there's a really good um Barnsley stats page which which rivals HDFC stato um which I started following for some reason and uh, they were saying every the similar thing to town in 2016-17 every team that, that plays against Barnsley comes away going oh we were crap we gave them that game and when every team is coming away saying that it's something you're mm. doing <laughs> it's not yeah. it's not you're not getting lucky every single week so yeah What they,
1: but, I mean this this isn't a Barnsley podcast no but what what they're really, really good at is instead of pressing as in sort of an area of the pitch or in a, in a in a specific space, they they basically identify players to press instead. So they go, okay, we're going to let him, him, and him have the ball, but we know if we go and press them, there's there's a decent chance of a turnover there. And it sounds like really, really simple, but it's actually a really effective system. And when they do that, they press in a 2 or a 3. So where I'm saying they take risks is if it doesn't work, then often there are potentially two big gaps on the pitch to exploit. So... Town could get at them, but as I said, you you really do have to be quite brave, and that just feels exactly what's lacking from Huddersfield Town at the moment. Yeah, they've got an excellent record against
0: the bottom sides, unfortunately, Barnsley. Um, but, I mean, Sheffield Wednesday beat them, you know. Um, yeah. Coventry got a draw, Derby got a draw. I think you can get a, a point out of that game, and you're at home. I think any of the home games, even against a team like Barnsley, they have to be going for the win. Like They don't really yeah. have any other choice, do they, at this stage? And no. and then obviously Coventry is the one everyone's going to have circled in their calendar. Um, that that's one of I think we're taking Sheffield Wednesday out of the equation now quite firmly. I think they're they're gone. I did have a list of five six pointers still to play in the championship. I think we're down to four now. But it's Rotherham Coventry on Thursday. Rotherham Birmingham is that at the weekend? I think yes, um, I think it is. Yeah, Derby Birmingham and then Huddersfield Coventry and. Yeah, you feel like I, I this is where I'm with you in that I think they could probably Town could probably lose all four of the other games but if they beat Coventry they're safe. Yeah, hopefully.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, I think I think they are. I think I I think there is a world where they could not win a game for the rest of the season and still be safe if I'm brutally honest with you Steve, but yeah, I if they beat Coventry, I think they'll be absolutely it will be absolutely done. But I I I just I don't know. It just feels like they've got to have a mentally. There's got to be a shift, hasn't there? They've they've got to yeah. go into a game believing they can they can win it instead of trying not to lose. And that is, they, those are two very very different mindsets. And again, to come back to it, that's why I just think the simplification would go a long way. Just give them one thing to think about. But yeah, I. I... The thing is, I know the Rotherham result changes everything, but Rotherham have got an- <laughs> to put it into context. They've got another two games before the week, uh, before Sunday, haven't they? Yeah, they play so... Thursday,
0: Sunday. So that their, their schedule now, I think, is Thursday, Sunday. Hang on, what is it? Thursday, Sunday,
1: Wednesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday. <laughs> see now if they go on like a massive run and win a load of games and get themselves out of that that would a be extraordinary and b be absolutely fair enough you couldn't really argue with that but that again it doesn't guarantee that Coventry go and suddenly do the same or that Derby suddenly go and do the same so at the moment Rotherham aren't trying to catch Huddersfield Town they're trying to catch Coventry so yeah I there's there's a there's a lot of ups and downs before the end of the season but it just really it's just a real shame because it just really feels like whatever happens town are not going to finish the season on anything other than a a shrug of the shoulders doesn't it Uh, I mean worse than that to be honest I don't don't know because I think I think the one thing we should talk about really is that a lot of fans I've been speaking to are just becoming really apathetic with it you know then they're, they're not engaged and I don't just think that's Covid if I'm brutally honest with you I think that you saw after the Swansea win and the QPR win everybody felt you know just so much better about everything it's that thing we always say Steve when we talk about something like an update from Phil or something off the pitch two wins and no one cares <laughs> Yeah, but yeah. where and do that... they get them two wins from?
0: Yeah that's it and I think we're now I mean we're, we're well, there's a lot to talk about around recruitment and things like that. I think we'll we'll have to wait till the summer for that, to be honest. But I don't want people to think that we're just ignoring those issues. We're not. But I think at the moment they need to go on the back burner because we need to concentrate on the things that town can change now. And I think the fans generally are on board with that as well, which is why we're seeing... I think everyone had a lot of patience for Carlos Goulbrand this season and sort of everyone and everything was blamed but him when things went wrong. I think we're now well past that point. I think we're into Carlos out territory by judging from Twitter at least. Uh, And I know that that is not a, a terribly advisable thing to do, but I think... I think even the most patient and sanguine fan would have serious doubts at this stage. Where do you stand on Carlos and his job and his position?
1: I I have made reservations. Um, I think that...
0: And you have had all season, it's worth saying as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's things I, I'm prepared to say on the record, <laughs> on a podcast, and things I'm not. But I think that the the problem was, even when... Even when times were good, it was a bit of a mantra and you used to laugh at me for saying it, Steve. But Town still had all the same problems, but they just did everything quicker. And that sort of energy overcame some of the weaker teams, if I'm brutally honest with you. and they, But they still had creative problems. They still weren't clinical. They still had issues with the defence and making terrible errors. And I look at the sort of mental makeup of that squad that have now won two games in the last 19, and you can't. You can't just say, "Well, the squad's not good enough and the players aren't good enough," because your manager has to get more from them. They're not. Town should not be in this position on what is it, April the fourteenth? They should have been with the start they had and the position they were in in sort of mid-December. They should have relegation should have been done and dusted by February, and they yeah. should have been having. We should be sitting here desperately trying to think, find things to talk about, Steve, as they play an endless <laughs> cycle of dead rubbers. Yeah. (laughs) You know, they should be Bristol, (laughs) basically. And yeah, it's, it's, I don't think you can just sit here and say that Carlos Corbran is the man and he should take the team forward. I think where I am with it is that. Town have committed to Carlos Corbran in a huge way. So he's got all his own staff in there. They even changed the fitness staff. He's got all his own analysts in there. The club really reshaped themselves itself in his mould. So I think it's very, very difficult to say that you you just got to get rid because if you get rid, you're basically losing everyone and you're starting from scratch again, aren't you? That's yeah, for the how many
0: How many ha- times have yeah. they done that in the last few years?
1: And so for that reason I think you have to certainly give him till the end of the season but then I think his end of season review you really have to and when I say that I, there was a ridiculous story recently for instance about Graham Potter at Brighton was going to face an end of season review you know spoilers but every every manager in the country from Jürgen Klopp down faces an end of season review that's how clubs work but I think his end of season review Corbyn's it, it really needs to be taken in every aspect needs to be looked at um what he they've got to get this summer right or town are going to be in a real struggle next season not just in terms of on the pitch but when the fans are back in the stadium the fans are not going to accept two wins in 19 games steve no. we're realistic we know that we know things would be very very different if the fans were in the stadium now so i i I don't, think, I don't think you push the button now but I think the net, the, how Town end the season is vital really as to, as to where you are with Carlos Corbran going forward because for instance if Town lose every game now but they still somehow manage to stay up as I said due, due to how bad others are I don't think that's sort of grounds really to say there's been any sort of progress or, or <laughs> any sort of forward momentum and you have to look very very seriously at
0: that where are you with it yeah I think if they were going to get rid the time to have done it would have been sort of anywhere between sort of Wickham and Preston Um, I think you do wonder what might have happened if they hadn't got that win against Swansea in the middle of that run Um, But um, they are committed to him. That has been the message from day one is, uh, you know, I remember having conversations at Brentford where they said, you know, we're going to stick with him even if we, you know, struggle this season and we end up sort of finishing 19th again. Um, We're going to stick with him. And they believe in the project and, you know, they... They would say that this season has been as much about developing young players and you'd point to Ramane Edmonds-Green, Ryan Schofield, possibly even Aaron, um, Aaron Rowe and getting them ready for more first team football. You know, Scott High, but Thomas, you might be able to add to that list before the end of the season as well. He would feel confident sort of putting in, in your, on your team sheet for next season. Um, And on that part of the objective he has succeeded with a few. Um, I think you also can't forget the first half of the season and how good that was when he had a fuller complement of players and I think there will be some people at the club and this isn't based on it, you know, I've not spoken to Phil Hodgkinson about this, I've not spoken to Mark Devlin or Lee Bromby about this, Um, but... I think, I imagine there will be some people at the club who feel like, well, if we hadn't lost Josh Groh, mccarroll Harry Toffolo, Christopher Schindler, Rolando Aarons, Umar All at the same time, we probably wouldn't be two wins in 19. They wouldn't be winning every game, but they would probably be, you know, what you were talking about, them acceptable, mid-table, comfortable, not, not worrying about relegation in the slightest. And to be honest, I kind of agree with that. Like, I think you don't, I think every team, if they lost, you know, four, five, six of their starting 11, would struggle whether they would struggle this badly is another question um yeah and that is where you have the the big question marks because i i think there have been mistakes Gorbrand has made um and I think that they, they should be doing better than they have been doing over the you know two wins in nineteen is still below the level of capability of this squad. And when you've got a couple of players who are not performing, you criticise those players, but when you've got, you know, eight, nine, ten, eleven players in any given game who are not performing, you look at the manager. And there have been too many games where that's been the case. So I'm still yeah. I'm still I mean, I've presented sort of the case for and against there. I'm still just about on the side of the fence where i'm saying well keep him give him the summer give him a rest a season you know the recovery time with the players get those in players fit back uh, back fit and start the season you know see what the recruitment is like and because they will have already started the recruitment for the summer based on you know his style give him the summer but then it's no excuses once you're past the summer and you are at a you know, Jan Sievert level of you have to start the season well and if it doesn't go well in the first three, four games then sorry but there's no excuses left at that point.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think it's about progress isn't it and I think uh, the, prob- the problem with this season and assessing Carlos Corbran for instance is... You talked about, you know, if they hadn't lost those players, they might be far better off. But you also have to investigate and look at how they've lost those players. And while some of those injuries are bad luck, some of them are quite simply down to just playing players and training players who are in the red zone and just pushing them too far. Um, And that's an issue as well. You know, you can't just... You can't just ignore that, and you also can't ignore all the things that were said in the summer and all the justification for um, parting company with the Cowleys, which was yep. that you know the, the key word was progress. It was about playing more attractive football. It was about progressing, taking the next step and getting moving down the, moving down that path to becoming a top 30 club, which is still the mantra coming out from people within the club that they want to be a top 30 club. And that's that's an admirable, noble goal. And that's where they should be aiming. But the the big issue is that whatever case we made for Carlos Corbrand to stay as manager at Huddersfield Town, the one thing you can't make a case for is that there has been any real progress this season. Because no. there, there hasn't. So if you keep Carlos Corbran, which I think we are both off the mind on record that, yeah, you, I think you probably have to. Rather rather than you really want to, I think you have to. Yeah, that's, I was about to say, it, it,
0: it, feels, it feels at the moment more like might as well rather than yeah, best man you, for the you job. You have
1: to. I think if you're going to do that, the reason I'm saying is that the sort of season review needs to be pretty comprehensive and people need to think very seriously about it is exactly as you've just said. Town can't hamstring themselves next season by losing the first five games. You, you have to be completely confident that the players you're going to recruit into that squad Carlos Corbran is going to get the absolute best out of them and next season the problem is when you had a season of of where it feels like you haven't made progress i don't think they've gone massively backwards i don't think we can say that when it was what second to last game in the season that they were officially clear mm. of relegation trouble so i don't think you can say they've gone backwards they they haven't they're in roughly the same position i think the problem is it's just it's just very very difficult to make certain cases for things as things stand and there's a lot of there's a lot of doing things on faith <laughs> And hope yeah. and uh, belief that at the moment isn't backed up by anything in practice. And yeah, I I'm not I'm not Carlos out by any stretch, but I'm, <laughs> I'm Carlos, Carlos improve. <laughs> yeah, I'm Carlos improve. Put it that way.
0: <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, I I think I'm I think we're broadly on the same page here it's it's not great though is it i mean the long and short of it but we are where we are another big game at the weekend forest coming I, up
1: yeah i the thing is that, and not to lose sight of, is Town's Destiny is still in their own hands. And yeah, that's, just about. That's an important thing. That is an important thing. You well, know I mean, you're...
0: it's probably in their own hands. <laughs> As we said, they could be in the relegation zone come Sunday, but they probably won't be.
1: No, I, I don't think they will be. As, And even then, again, <laughs> they have a way to dig themselves out of that hole, don't they? They coming do. Up. They so, do. I, I think that this podcast has been pretty doom and gloom, <laughs> and It's probably been coming for a while. But I would, you know, one win and everything changes, Steve. Yeah,
0: I think it is, as we say, it's... It's one more win, does it? Especially, I mean, we've been the problem is we've been saying that since uh, middle of March, <laughs> literally a month. We've been saying one more win, uh, you know. And if it's against Wednesday, if it's against Rotherham, then they're safe. And now it's if it's against Coventry, and you're looking at, yeah, you
1: know, we're looking well, at this this weekend. Brighton B aren't great. You can you can get at them, you, like they they've they're, they've not had a very good season, and they are treading water. As things stand. So I do think that Town are coming into that game as the team with something to play for, and they have to play like that. That you know, if if they if they really go after it, they could get something from that game. And I would say that the sort of the the slight silver lining I can make reference to his book coming out um, is that if they if they win that game and get something from Forest, then while they may not be able to finish the season on a high, just playing without a bit of pressure, yeah, would go as, a long as... way. As every well.
0: game feels easier with, with a win Yeah. At the weekend doesn't it yeah
1: yeah so it's still in their own hands their destiny is still in their own hands
0: cool Thanks for joining us, Dave. You mentioned silver linings there. Um, that is your book about England under Bobby Robson. I've heard it it's is, good.
1: It is. It, well, no, it it is my book about Bobby Robson. I'm not going to be arrogant enough to say it is too. I've heard it's good. Uh, yeah. Well, I think it's good anyway. But it's out a week Monday, so I'd buy it if I were you. Yeah. I've I'm got, saying that to a man who got a freebie.
0: Yeah, I know. I, I said when I said I've heard it's good, I suddenly thought, oh well, I've just told him that I've, I've not read it yet um but i've i think i've you know i've not had a day off since friday maybe i'll uh, i'll get on it on uh, today or friday which are my days off not that anyone needs to know this bye <laughs> bye
1: well that was thoroughly miserable uh...